This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by Draper's Barbecue, a third-generation barbecue company located in western Kentucky between Memphis and Kansas City. Their line of products represents both cities as well as the flavor profiles of Shane's home. Pick up their smoking sauce and AP rub today by visiting drapersbbq.com. And by Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets, making pellets since 1994, two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that sweet, succulent smoke that you're looking for on your meat, both for grills and bullet-style smokers, and of course, in larger quantities for your pellet-fed smokers. Find them at bbqrsdelight.com. This is Maddie Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. The show where we talk about all things that are important in the world of barbecue. From big name interviews with competitors on the barbecue circuit, grill manufacturers and pit makers, to advice on cooking brisket and ribs. You'll find it all right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Your host, Greg Rempe, is a backyard barbecue and grilling fanatic and loves to talk about his passion, which many of us share together. You can learn more about barbecue and grilling by visiting the website the bbqcentral.com now let's get in the smoke here's your program host greg rempe hey gang welcome to another edition of the really big barbecue central show <laughs> oh, i'm so happy to be here <laughs> so honored thank you thank you hey Welcome in. It's the Really Big Barbecue Show, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. 
I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Do-rag back on and all. Billy gave it back to me. He said, uh, enough of this monkeying around. Get the do-rag back on. So here I am, all allowed to wear it once again, rock the stars and stripe. It's kind of crooked, I think. I can't tell. Nevertheless, uh, we're here. It's Tuesday. Happy to have you aboard. A couple ways to get in touch with the show if you're so inclined. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com is the email address. If you want to get in touch with the show, happy to have you come on and share whatever it is related to the world of barbecue and grilling that you would like. All right, here's what's happening on the show because a lot of stuff to get to in the open. Uh, coming up in about 12 minutes from now, it's going to be this guy. Oops, sorry. This guy who is uh, Sam the Cooking Guy. Huge in the world of uh, video right now online. You can find him during the open at thesamlivecast.com. Quite frankly, one of the most favorite shows that I watch. It's three times a week. We'll talk to him about that, of course. And uh, he'll take up two segments, so look for that. And then, of course, we have everybody's favorite monthly contributor to the show. You know him. I know him. Everybody knows him as AmazingRibs.com. Meathead Goldwyn will be joining us. And we will be talking to Meathead, believe it or not, about pastrami, where it starts, how we cook it, where it finishes. We'll talk about uh, probably wine, too. We have a lot of pictures to show. There's going to be a lot of great stuff that is going to be happening here on the show tonight. So that's what you have for tonight. Sam the Cooking Guy, a.k.a. Sam Zion, and then Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. All right, Beards for Barbecue update. Guess what? Weeks in a row, got my 15 miles in. Feeling good, feeling pumped up. Got in a hard three miles today, three and a half or so. Those first two miles were brutal. I mean, where is everybody else at? If I'm looking at the chat room, is anybody doing beards for barbecue? Are you guys uh, taking part? You just eating a lot and continuing to be really fat and not healthy? Fat? I want to know. Where are you guys at? All right. I'm I'm doing good, and I'm also taking my Jobies, which I've been taking for like three years now, and they give me the... Strength and energy that I need. Plus, they boost my immune system. When was the last time you saw me sick? Never. Love the Jobies. Okay, big announcement. In case you didn't see it on the Facebook. Drum a little lot all of a sudden. Tonight, to the day, and uh, to the time? At least to the day. We mark the fourth year, beginning of the fourth year of the live show, the Barbecue Central Radio Show. So let's uh, take a stroll back, if you don't mind. We started this show in 2008. Now, the show existed previously in podcast-only form, and it was something that was pre-recorded. You know, I talked to top names in the industry, all that great stuff, but I had whittled it down to like a 20-minute type of a deal and put it up, produced So I took a lot of ums and ahs and a lot of live spontaneity out of the show. But nobody else was really doing podcasts. And the podcast started to get more and more available. People wanted to try their hand at them. People wanted to try their hand at a barbecue podcast. So had to keep continually set the bar high and high and high or higher and higher and higher. And that's when I happened to find 
Where does anybody find anything these days? Craigslist. And there was an ad in the California Craigslist. There was a guy by the name of Sam Hassan who ran L.A. Talk. And at that point, it was BBS Talk Radio who ran or was just starting an online radio station. He wanted to do talk. It was going to be irreverent and entertaining. Nothing more irreverent than entertaining than a barbecue show, right? Of course not. And lo and behold, all of these four years later now, this show is still up and running. It's changed. If you're a subscriber to the newsletter that I sounded every Tuesday, I actually sent a link out to the very first show that we did February 7th, 2008. That's one you might want to go listen to. Listen to how the show sounded back then. Hear how the show sounds now. See how the transition of the show has become and, and all of the transitions that the show has gone through for the better for the most part. I know one time we had that segment called Tech Talk with Carlos. What can I tell you? Every segment isn't a winner. But for the vast majority of the show, things have progressed well. Uh, popularity has gained more and more, especially on the download side. Hell, even on the live listener side, I mean, we're uh, approaching 35, 40 connections. I have another uh, 25 to 30 here on the audio side only. So things continue to build, however methodically... Let's say it in that way. The thing that I really appreciate the most is, and I'm not going to discriminate this time, it's just if you listen to the show at all, I just appreciate the fact that you like it, that you continue to tune into it, that you've subscribed to it on iTunes or you've used a podcast directory to get to it. However you're getting there, and especially the folks that are doing it live each and every Tuesday night from 9 to 11 o'clock, however you're doing it, we have made it four years well beyond any type of expectation that I even had initially for the show. And I know I keep threatening this, but there are hidden archives of the very, very first. I say, you know, there's podcasts, produced podcasts that are on iTunes right now that you can get. And it's got the cartoon character, uh, Hillbilly, with his hand on the cooker and a hand on the computer. And there's, you know, a decent dozen, half of two dozen of those podcasts, which... A lot of those were the inaugural roundtable shows that have risen to cataclysmic fame over time. But even before that, they're not posted. You can't find it anymore. There used to be a website called PutFile, which was like an upload host that they lived on for a while. And then that site got shut down. I had to take everything off of there because they were closing. Man, easily some of the worst podcasts you've ever heard in your life. I know I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. There is... A distinct possibility that I may or may not ever play the very first Barbecue Central podcast, which I believe was just called like the Barbecue for You Forum Show or something ridiculous. To hear how the show sounds right now today, with all the production value, with top men in the voiceover industry doing bumpers in for me, getting huge guests like uh, my guest tonight, uh, Meathead. And Sam, the cooking guy, to go all the way back, which has to be six years now, maybe even seven years now, to hear that very first podcast that was done in like a teleconferencing type recording session. It was some of the most horrific podcasting that I've ever heard in my life. Maybe I'll make that available for sale for those people that want to hear suck-ass podcasting. That might be the best idea ever. 
But really, to hear how the show is now and how it's evolved from when I started that very first time to now, it's uh, it's fascinating. It's very gratifying for me to do the show because people are giving me feedback that they like it and they like what we're talking about and all that great stuff. And I appreciate that to no end. But the fact that we are here, even just with the live show, that it's been able to sustain for that long is something that I really never anticipated. And I have to thank each and every one of the listeners, whether you're somebody that gets it on podcast only, whether you're somebody that lives and dies by the show and you watch it each and every Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m., or whether you're a mix, it doesn't matter. Whether you're tuning in through smartphone apps like TuneIn Radio or Auxiliary Radio or anything like that, however you're getting the show, I appreciate it. And you are the sole reason. You are the sole reason that this show has been able to maintain and continually evolve, not only over the last four years, but over the last two, three years prior to that. So we're looking at a six- or seven-year stretch where we've been talking about barbecue if you can believe it or not, in some form or fashion. And it hasn't gotten old. It hasn't gone away. It hasn't turned into pod fade or anything like that. So I really appreciate it. Truly, truly, thank you very much. And uh, here's hoping for another great year. All right, folks, let me give you a quick reminder before we get to Sam the Cooking Guy about Stephen DeFranco, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. That's right, local right here in Cleveland. We talked about it, and it, we uh, announced it last week. I'll go ahead and uh, once again announce it tonight. 50% off an Accutron watch. It's Bolivar's Highline brand. If you are interested, by the way, that's Steve right there, Stephen DeFranco. If you're interested in getting a watch, let's face it, guys, there's not a lot of stuff that we can get that we're going to wear that isn't potentially going to make us seem effeminate or that we're trying to get bling or draw attention to ourselves. There's not a lot of stuff that we can just do. It's just the way it is. We're guys, right? We're men, real men. But here's where we can dial it back a little bit and get something that is awesome. How about an awesome timepiece just like this, this Accutron watch that I got from Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. 50% off right now. Your $900 watch is going to be 45 uh, 45 450 bucks. Your $700 watch is going to be 350 bucks. You can do the math. You know how to take 50% away from something. And this is only until 1 week from now. The last day for this is going to be Valentine's Day. So you want to take advantage. Maybe you're in the doghouse, maybe you bought crappy Christmas gifts or holiday gifts for your loved one. Boyfriend, girlfriend, same-sex lover, whatever the case may be, you need to step it up for this holiday, Valentine's Day coming up in a week, and you want to get a Highline watch, you can do it. You can reap all of the rewards that that's going to bring you, except you don't have to reap all of the payout in order to get those things. You can save 50% off. Here's what you have to do. You have to call in to the 440 number that's listed on uh, Steve's website. You go to the Barbecue Central Radio Network's homepage. You click on the Stephen DeFranco banner. You peruse the Accutron line inventory, first and foremost. You find the one you like. Then you call. You have to ask for Steve. Got to ask for this guy right here. Tell him you're a barbecue buddy. You heard about the deal on the show. And then he'll be happy to take 50% off also if you're out of state. Free shipping. Free batteries for life. Free engraving if it's going to be a gift. Free uh, gift wrapping, obviously, if it's going to be a gift. A full care package for each and every watch sold, and you get 50% off 
and you only have until next Tuesday. StephenDefranco.com. Use the term Barbecue Buddy, but you have to ask for Steve once you find the like, once you find the watch that you like. We'll be back with first-timer of the show, Sam the Cooking Guy, right after this. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Network. Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back to the show, 877-448-0433. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. All right, let me grab my uh, sheet here. All right, as promised, joining me is most likely the most accomplished and award-winning person I've ever had on this show. He has like 12 Emmys to his credit. Also has the best live video show on the interwebs right now. It airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We race over to the hotline. First timer to the show. It's uh, Sam Zion. Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam, how are you, buddy? What's up, man? How you doing, Greg? You know what? I'm sorry. I meant to say, Sam, how are you, fuckface? Uh, you know what? So you're saying that, you know, you watch the live cast. And I know you're saying that because I said a couple weeks ago, I'm trying to bring back the term fuckface. Why not? I, it was a favorite when I was a kid. I don't know how old you are, but when I was a kid, you know, my teenager, we, uh, we used the term. And I feel like it's a lost Classic lost term now. It's got to come back. Easily added to the end of any sentence, kind of like a sentence enhancer. You want to get something a little bit more oomph, like you're adding ingredients to the kitchen. Why not add it to the vocabulary? Drop a little fuckface right there. Everybody's heads are snapping around. It's great. Hey, what are you doing, fuckface? Yeah, exactly. Hey, pass, me that, uh, pass me that cheeseburger, fuckface. <laughs> it totally rolls, doesn't it? It comes right off the tongue. It, it slides right <laughs> off the tongue, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Sam... I'm a big fan of the show, obviously, uh, without saying. Yeah, thanks, man. I you're, appreciate you're it. You're starting the new year healthy. How many pounds have you lost? I know it's kind of like a big thing around the show. And why do you think it's so hard for people to stick to diets in this whole eating healthy type thing? Uh, there's this simple reason uh, is because diets suck. You want to eat everything that's bad. You want the... You want the cheeseburgers. You want the French toast. You want the foie gras. You want... I mean, fat is flavor. There's just no two ways about it. I mean, what's your favorite cut of beef? Uh, mine is a, a cowboy Texas ribeye. There you go. Ribeye, one of the fattiest cuts of beef, but also one of the most flavorful cuts of meat, right? Absolutely. I mean, I ordered a ribeye because I want the flavor from it. If I didn't want that much flavor, I would go in New York. I'm not a fan of New York. I like a tenderloin. I think a tenderloin's a nice cut. But I generally go ribeye because it's got that marbling in it. It's got the fat. It melts. It's unctuous. It, it's the kind of taste that you want in your mouth when you're eating a piece of meat. All right. So and that's the that's the problem. Fat is flavor, and we all want the shit to taste good. So what do you and, think the you best know, way to to kind of get a 
Diet, I think, is bad, right? Because you're already pigeonholing yourself. You're already going to make yourself yeah. feel bad if you crash one day. How do yeah. you get on the right track just to be eating in, in a healthier fashion? What are the like some key instances? Uh, here's the thing. You know, I've lost in in about two and a half or three weeks uh, nine or ten pounds, which is which is pretty good. And um, I, I'm trying a not to eat everything that I look at. Which is difficult, right? And I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying not to eat the super bad carbs. You know, I don't need to have grilled cheese every single day. I don't need to have eight slices of big, thick uh, French baguette bread with my pasta at night. In fact, I probably don't need to have that pasta every night. It's you know, it's it's sort of um, sort of like saving up. You know how when you were little, if you had dinner, there might be one thing that you really liked and you ate it last? Yeah. You got rid of the carrots and the mashed potatoes, but you left the ribs or whatever that one thing is you really like? Well, it's kind of like that for an adult, but but it means that you're you're saving that food for maybe a couple of times a week, not every day. I I was in Vegas at CES a month ago, Mm -hmm. and... We ate like the fucking end of the world was coming. <laughs> Every single morning, some kind of eggs Benedict. And there was, there was hash browns and there was sauce and there was all the things that you probably shouldn't have. And then lunch, there was no regard for any because we knew that we were marching towards the moment when it had to end. So we said, fuck it. Eat everything. We'll pay for it after the fact. But that's just not you can't do stuff like that. So now for me in breakfast, instead of having the crazy stuff, I mean, I had a couple eggs this morning, but I had a lot of sauteed onions in there, a lot of sauteed peppers, and it was really, really delicious. I season it well, I flavor it well, but I don't need to have the toast with it, and I don't need a sauce with it, and I don't need, you know, uh, like a handful of uh, pork carnitas thrown in the pan first, because that tastes great, but it's fatty. Sam, the cooking guy joining us here on the show, we're talking about uh, eating right, maybe getting a little healthier. You know, one obviously barbecue and grilling show here. So some things we we're kind of game planning to talk about that you would mention would be some things that maybe you don't normally put on the grill. What do you like to see that's kind of out of the ordinary that you like to get on that burner? All right. So there's a there's a, a romaine salad that I like to do. I just take I take a head of romaine. I clean, what are you drinking, by the way? Uh, water. I'm on the show. Oh, but I'm not, not like, like you know, I'm not, not like there's FCC rules. Yeah, I know. But I feel if I were ever to lose control, that could totally ruin my uh, any chances of being, you know, popular and famous. I can't have that. See, that's the, the <laughs> disadvantage you have is that you're running all your stuff. Yeah, right. The advantage I have is that I have a guy, you know, when we do the show who does it. So I can I can drink and uh, and sort of lose control and the show doesn't go to hell correct you need a guy get a guy i'm trying Try no doubt on it all right so what about some some okay, odd so, things outside uh, the so box? You, you take a head of romaine you slice the little dirty brown end off the little butt end yep. then you slice it lengthwise down the middle olive oil and right on a really nice hot grill and both sides and the edges get a little brown and the whole thing starts to wilt up a little bit it stays generally pretty crunchy but it just warms up this these leaves in such a nice way. Then you bring it off, and then you put some crumbled uh, cooked diced bacon on it. 
you know, some chopped tomatoes, a little fresh grated uh, Parmesan and a little, you know, balsamic vinaigrette, whatever you've got that your favorite go to is, whether you make it yourself or you keep one in the fridge, a drizzle of that fresh ground pepper. That's a really good salad. And there's really nothing that horrible about it. But you're changing what you would normally have as just a regular everyday, you know, Caesar salad or romaine chopped salad or whatever it is. You're throwing it on the grill. And the, the, I have this expression. I say heat changes things. And of course it changes things. It makes them hot. But it does really great things flavor-wise to all kinds of food. All right. And, uh, like, what else would be – you know, so that would let's say that would be, and that's kind of a. I do that quite a bit myself, and okay. that seems to get the crowd going. So if I'm having some people over, you bring right. out grilled salad. They're like, "Oh my god!" You know, why would you ever think of doing that? But then for main courses, obviously you got steak, you got burgers, uh, spatchcock chickens. Stuff. Okay, well let's talk. We'll talk appetizer for a second. Uh, one of the things that I like to do is I like to buy a bag of frozen meatballs, like the ones that are like this size. Yeah. Right. <laughs> About an inch across, and uh, I thaw them, and then get the the grill screaming hot, and I take just a giant handful of these, and I scatter them on the grill. I toss them maybe with a little sesame oil first, just to give them a little Asian kind of thing going on, and then they just cook on the grill. It's that simple. They get marks on them. You roll them around like you know golf balls on a table. They get color. They get uh, crispy edges. They get, you know, the marks. And then you've got a handful of little um, uh, wooden uh, skewers. Bing, 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 bing. You skewer them, you put them on a plate, and you throw just some little dipping sauce with them. And whether that means you have a bottled teriyaki sauce in the fridge, I'm a big condiment fan. I love keeping those kind of things around. But so whether that means you've got a uh, bottled teriyaki sauce uh, in the in the fridge that you're going to roll out, or you buy some hoisin sauce, which is kind of kind of like a Chinese barbecue sauce. If you could do that, it would be great. And if you didn't want to do the Asian thing, use regular barbecue sauce. Use um, one of my favorite little dipping sauces is mayonnaise and steak sauce combined. <laughs> really fucking good. Yeah, never uh, never played around with that. Is that good for more meat because it's mayonnaise-based, or can you get loose on that with some other proteins? No, you totally do anything you want with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of my favorite things are scallops like that. You can take the big sea scallops and, um, and th- throw them in a pan, sear them on both sides, and right at the last minute, you take a little bit of this mixture of mayo and some favorite steak sauce, and throw that in the pan and let it coat them. It almost starts to caramelize a little bit, but it definitely browns up the edges. I mean, it makes them really, really nice. And then those things on some rice or on top of a salad, or just, you know, skewer them and eat them like they're big, giant, little mini hockey pucks is, is a great thing to do. Sam Zion joining us here on the show. He is known as Sam the Grill Guy. You can find him, by the way, a show that happens three times a week, the Sam Livecast Dot com. Sam, one of the things that I saw you make recently that I was extremely attracted to right away was this uh, eggplant parmesan wrap. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah. that? You know what? So we were talking grilling, and um, eggplant parmesan is one of those things that's notoriously unhealthy for you. They take eggplant, and they, um, they bread them, and then they deep fry them. And then they take a very thick tomato-based sauce, 
that's also unhealthy for you. And they slather that all over the eggplant that's been deep fried. And then they melt an ass of cheese over the whole thing. So I like to do that, but I do a grill version of that that I think would be perfect for, for your fans. So you take, you know, slices of eggplant, the big globe eggplant, not the, the small Asian ones, like a half inch slice of eggplant, olive oil, kosher salt, pepper, and on the grill. And it doesn't take, you know, it's going to take a few minutes aside to start to get some good color, but really you need it to soften up because eggplant is like eating wood uh, until you cook it the right way. So when you flip it over on its second side and it's starting to get really nice, then you take thick slices of tomato, olive oil, salt, pepper, those, throw those on the grill right beside it. So what you're going to do is you're going to end up using this tomato that you've grilled on both sides that softens really beautifully as the sauce. Instead of some totally unhealthy sauce, you've got the grilled eggplant, you've got the the tomato that's going to be the slice, uh, the s- sauce on this thing. And you've got, you know, some kind of bun thing, whatever you like on there. You want to throw a piece of cheese on top of the um, uh, eggplant as you flip it on, it goes on to its second side. And then you just build this thing. So you've got bun that you olive oil face down on the grill, get some good color, let it soften up. It gets really delicious. The eggplant with the melted cheese on top and then the tomato that's been grilled and now it's all, all sort of melty on top of that. And then a big ass handful of um, basil. Chop the hell out of it. Slam that on top. Put the lid on. It's juicy. It's messy. It's gooey. But it's fucking awesome. <laughs> you know, Sam, I think what is unique is you, you see a lot of these guys on Food Network, uh, other chefs um, that are out kind of, I don't want to say they're giving a lot of bad information, but... They're people in the mainstream, let's say, and then you got somebody like yeah. yourself who is out there cooking. You're making your own recipes. You got cookbooks out. You're doing cooking classes out there in uh, Southern California. What do you think separates you and them? I mean, I know you don't like to call yourself a chef per se, or that's something like a title that needs to right. be earned. But where do you fall out on that? Well, I think the biggest difference between me and them is that they make a lot more money than I do, Greg. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, and I hate all of them for that. But, you know, it's funny. I mean, so what I'm going to say is the advice that I give anybody that's thinking about whatever career it is they're going into. I didn't go into this to be famous. I went into this really just thinking that I could show people how to make decent food in a really simple sort of way. So I feel like I come at this from a much more sort of honest um, point of view be on the internet as I am off hanging out with, with friends. So I guess I'm, I mean, I, I care about how people eat. I want to see people not go to fast food every night of the week because it just gets expensive and it's really fucking bad for you. If I'm going to eat fast food, I'm going to make damn sure that it's something that I really want. And there's a couple burger places that I go to that I guess you could be considered fast food because it, you get it quick. We have an In-N-Out burger out here in, in Southern California that's now starting to populate around the rest of the country. So I like to go there. Um, I guess maybe that's about it. I, I, I mean, I try not to. But you can eat at home better, faster, quicker, cheaper, way healthier than you can out. Now, so I mean, I guess I guess to answer it, I mean, 
I'm not trying to make myself out to be a fucking saint or anything because clearly I'm not. But I mean, I'm just trying. My goal was people eating better and enjoying it. That was pretty much it. So there obviously had to be a like a precipitating event or you either grew up around it. Uh, you were from Canada originally. You've made your way down to Southern California. In your house when you were growing up, were you a guy that was always around the kitchen? Did your mom, your dad bring you in and say, hey, Sam, we're going to be cooking. Why don't you take part in this? Or is this something that you attach to later in life? No, it's funny. You know, my story wasn't a food story. My, I was a, in, in 2001, I was a director of operations at a biotech company. And my goal was get myself out of there because I hated what I did. And one day, sitting at my desk, I had this, just this random idea that I could start a travel show. It would be a regular guy showing you how to go to a place that was complicated, like a Tokyo, a Hong Kong, a place like that. Not spend everything that you had and not, not struggle. Uh, I'd gone to Tokyo with my brother-in-law. He went on business and I went just as my sort of 40th birthday gift to myself. And I came home and I told people, you know, during the day, my brother-in-law Tony was at this convention and he was working. And during the day, it was me walking the streets of Tokyo by myself with my, you know, my video camera shooting things. And a lot of my friends were like, dude, you know, Tokyo, you can't read it. You can't understand what they're saying. You don't know what the food is and for me that was really the fun part and i thought i could start a show where i would go to complicated places and show people that they could in fact do this you can do this that's you know it was like that i quit my biotech job i threw together a little crew we were a month away from going to tokyo and hong kong to shoot demo footage for this thing and 9 11 happened mm. and that day I, I like to say changed a lot of things for many more people than it changed for me. Mm -hmm. But it still changed my world because, I mean, nobody was buying a travel show from a guy in the days following 9-11, especially a guy who, A, didn't travel very much, and B, had no television experience. So I sat at home. I'd quit my real job to do this. I sat at home trying to figure out what I was going to do. And as I watched TV with no job to go to, I kept seeing restaurant chefs going into uh, local TV stations and cooking. And their goal is fill seats in a restaurant. And the way they do that was by making great looking stuff, but that you never had a fucking hope of ever making yourself because you didn't know what they were talking. They did complicated things. They were brazing. They were doing this. whatever it was. They, they wanted you to go, wow, that looks good. Let's go there and have it. They didn't want you to say, well, that looks good and simple. I can make that. So as I watched that, knowing I had no job, I thought, what if I just did that? And I proposed the idea to my wife. And she said, um, but you don't really cook. <laughs> and I go, so there, I'll be my own weakest link. If I can make it, anybody can make it. I felt like I could be entertaining. But apart from that, the cooking... I mean, in, in, hold on, let me see if this is the book. This is my, I just happen to have my, my, I just happen to have my grilling cookbook here in front of me. Right. Just grill this, <laughs> and cook that. but here's the quote. And that's the, here's the really important part. Cooking is like riding a bike. The more you do it, the better you get. 
And that's what I did. I got better at it because I started to do it. People will come up and say, oh, you know, I love watching the show, but I, I can't cook. And I go, no, it's not that you can't cook. It's that you don't cook. Remember the first time you rode a bike, you fell off, you hurt your elbow, your knees, your ass, whatever. Now everybody can ride a bike. Same thing with cooking. First time you try to cook a piece of chicken, you probably fuck it up. Second time you're better. Third time, now you, now you know. A little longer on the first side than the other one. Flatten it, do this, blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. You start to get it. That's what cooking is. And now that I've become that guy. I was, I was a guy that couldn't cook. Now I can cook. But I still do things that are five or six ingredients and shit that you've got in the house. I'm not, you, you know, I like foie gras. I like truffles. I don't keep them. I go out for that stuff. I say, that's the shit that you go out for. That's why God invented restaurants and really talented chefs. Sam Zion joining us here on the show. Sam, the cooking guy. Uh, Sam, uh, hang with me through the break here real quick. And uh, we'll get right back to you folks. want to quickly remind you about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru. It's right, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. If you're a professional like me, uh, maybe you're like Sam, you got some places you need to be during the day. But look, you want to put a pork butt on, you want to put a brisket on the cooker, you don't want to dick around playing with fire and controlling the pit temperatures. This is what the Barbecue Guru is all about. It's a, it's a device controlled through microprocessors and fans. It's going to attach to your bullet-style smoker, your offset cooker, whatever the case may be. You're going to set it to the pit temperature that you want it, and then that's what it's going to do. It's going to keep it there. So you can go ahead and run to the store if you want to. You can go to work like me. I can throw a pork butt on at 6 in the morning. I can come back home. It's going to be succulently prepared because of that pit temperature was controlled precisely by the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru. Now, it's not just automatic pit temperature controls over there. No, no, no. They make their own style cooker, which is the Onyx Oven. The Onyx Oven has been winning prizes all along the barbecue competition circuit through KCBS, through FBA, through IBCA. Whatever sanctioning body it is, people have the Onyx Oven. And they love it for a number of reasons. Of course, the first of which is it holds a lot of meat. So that's number one. Second of all, it's easily adaptable to any of the barbecue guru pit master uh, pit temperature control devices that they make. This thing is insulated to the gills. You're going to get 25, 28, 30 hours off of a load of charcoal, which is absolutely unheard of in the industry. And with the makers of the Barbecue Guru, you know, research and development has won into this. It is absolutely a phenomenal product. And you're going to be happy that you, A, went over to the website, which is thebbqguru.com, and you checked out exactly what you need to outfit yourself with one of these. You have four different models to choose from. You have a ProCom 4 wireless unit. You can roam up to 600 feet away from your cooker. You can control it in increments. You can see what the pit temperature control is right on the LED display. You have a CyberQ2 unit. You have a DigiQ2. And then, of course, you have that thing that has changed the automatic pit temperature control nation, the Party Q, $130. It's completely enclosed. It runs on AA batteries. You can take it wherever you want. You put it on a bullet-style smoker or those big green egg styles. It's the easiest point of entry into automatic pit temperature control. You can control with five-degree increments. It's got an LED readout as well. You're going to get 35, 40 hours before you need to change the batteries. That's at least a couple overnight cooks for pork butts and briskets. Go to the website, thebbqguru.com, or you can call them toll-free, 800-288-GURU. That's the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru, longest-running sponsor of the show. And as we said, celebrating four years tonight, baby. Live show. We'll be back with Sam, the cooking guy, right after this. Stick around. 
Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, Moonshine Band, Suburban Respecter. Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need a radio. Bring a jukebox for my outlaws. Bring me three shots. 37 past the hour. Welcome back. Have my mic on. And uh, we rejoin Sam. Sam, thanks for uh, hanging with me through the bank there. You ever heard of the barbecue guru, Sam? Okay, can I tell you here? I, you know, I wrote it down uh, because I hadn't. Um, I'm in California, and I know that your people out there would probably not expect us to know anything about barbecue. But here's the interesting thing. Barbecue is one of the oldest, most simplest forms of cooking meat, correct? Yes. And yet these guys, as far as I can tell, have gone way fucking high tech with this shit. It's like it's like a good old boy in the back one day said, you know, we can all do this shit better than everybody else. We're going to make us some of that fandangle fancy stuff and blow them all away. And that's what I think I'm hearing you say. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, device. Look, we could break down minutiae on barbecue like you wouldn't believe. There's a faction of people that would sit there and tell if you use a barbecue guru, you are cheating. It's not barbecue. Uh, You're not sitting out there feeding sticks into the fire, so on and so no, forth. No, no. There's other factions that will sit here and say it's absolutely something that you need to have in the arsenal just in case you're busy or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, you set the pit temperature control you want to keep it at. You just walk away. The thing's got a little fan. It continually reads. It's a lot smarter than I am, of course. But geez, I mean, for 130 bucks, I mean, how can you pass it up? And so that 130 dollar, the party, the party, what is it? Party, party Q. Q. Yep. Party Q. What what does that go into? Depending on what kind of a cooker you have, it's going to go into the bottom damper of, like, say, a Weber Smoky Mountain, and then right. you're going to stick a pit temperature probe in there, so it's going to constantly monitor where the pit temperature is at. If it below uh, goes below a certain threshold, that fan is going to kick on and stoke the coals. Pretty simple. Shut the hell up. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. It's the good folks at the Barbecue Guru. There there. you go. Love them. I'll go go scope the site when we're all done here. All right, Sam, let me ask you a couple questions. Time is flying by very fast uh, or fast. I apologize. But uh, one thing that I wanted to get your take on, uh, you know, because you're a cooking guy, is how would you tell people, and I'm sure you get the question all the time, how do you make the best steak? What are the proper ways to do it? Uh, well, everybody knows this or should know this. Uh, I don't care what kind of steak you cook. You have to take it out of the uh, refrigerator at least 30 minutes before, right? Agreed. And I see you smile a little bit because uh, I talk to people all the time that say, you do? <laughs> They're like appalled at the idea. As my wife is appalled, I will take meat out of the refrigerator and put it on the counter. And I'll go do something. They'll come back. It'll be back in the fridge. My wife is concerned that I'm now setting bacteria alive on the meat because it's out of the fridge for, you know, more than 13 seconds. Right. I go, honey, no, no, no. It's going to be fine. I, sit, I tell people all the time, you cannot possibly cook a steak properly outside and in if it's ice cold inside. We could all recognize a well-cooked steak, at least on the outside. But to cook it well inside, you got to give yourself a fighting chance. It has to be at least a little bit room temp. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you're going to be fine. And if you're cooking thin steaks, 
Um, well, you shouldn't be cooking thin steaks. Of course. I say to people, I would rather eat steak once a month, but have it be a really good cut and a thick cut than a cheap ass little shin th- thin shitty thing uh, once a week. Am I right? Uh, I, I believe I- all steaks should be at a minimum. Cut it one and one quarter inches, and one and a half isn't too bad in my uh, in my estimation. No, 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 no. Don't don't buy a thin steak. It's just it's not it's not a good way to cook it. That's gonna you're gonna not be happy with it. So take it out early, and I think you need a lot of heat and a little bit of time, regardless of where you cook it. Whether you cook it in a cast iron pan, I'll, when I cook inside, I take a cast iron pan, I put it on the heat. Turn up the heat and I leave the pan with nothing in it for 10 minutes. And my steak, uh, a little olive oil, kosher salt, pepper, both sides, that's it. Goes in the pan about three minutes one side, turn it over, give it a minute, and then I throw the whole pan in a 500-degree oven for another couple of minutes and it's done. If I was going to do that on the grill, I would want the grill to be screaming hot. And if your steak has been out of the fridge for half an hour, you can do that, and you're going to get it where you want it inside. It's that simple. Are Doesn't you, lots of heat, little time. That's all you need. Do you subscribe at all to the fact? And I've been known to fist fight people over this. That they will tell me. I hear it all the time, and I'm sure you do too. Maybe you're a subscriber to this, and we can uh, argue about this if you are. Mm-hmm. Do, you, are do you feel that searing the steak seals in the juices? No, fuck it. I think that's stupid. Absolutely. I completely it's agree. It's one of the biggest myths ever on the face of the earth. It's ridiculous. And um, one of the biggest uh, hoodwinks that the grill people have pulled over America is by selling them a grill that we'll say is 30 30 inches, right? Or 24 inches. And almost half of it is a searing plate, superheated underneath. But you can't use it for regular cooking. So you're really buying a grill this big that you're only going to be able to use half of for most of what you do. It's a complete fucking waste of money. My closest friend up the street bought one of those, thought he was doing a good thing. And about a week after, he said, boy, did I fuck up. I go, what did you do, man? He goes, that searing section? He goes, it's a waste of money. Don't do it. I go, well, I'm not going to, but you should have asked. I would have told you. What kind of a grill you got on the backyard? Uh, I have um, a barbecues galore. Um, hold on. Wait, I got a picture of it here. Can you see that? Yep. It's, uh, it's a cross ray, cross wave technology. The, the heat is on the sides and it meets in the middle. The theory is... Um, when, in, when the meat or the protein drips down, it's not dripping onto flame mm-hmm. and therefore won't flare up. I mean, it's a good grill. It gets hot. It's look at, I don't know if you can really see, it's Porsche designed. The people that designed Porsches designed this. It's black, it's cool looking, and, and, I, and I like it. I use it. But I did something the other day that I put sauce, Super Bowl Sunday. We started with really good Bloody Marys here about 10, 30, 10, 11 o'clock. You put horseradish in your Bloody Marys? <sighs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, you not must, a, right? I'm, I'm not a Bloody Mary guy, but my dad uh, makes yeah. them, and he puts raw horseradish in there, and uh, 
I wish I could find the, the greatness of that. I'm more of a bourbon guy myself at eight o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock at night. I don't no, 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 I'm, I know I can, I can join you with that. Uh, <laughs> I also put, uh, crispy bacon strips in too. Yeah. That's the thing to yeah. do. And I put celery, but you want like the really pretty stuff with the little leaves on, on top. And I put uh, marinated asparagus or green beans in there too. I like a lot of stuff in there. I mean, it's almost breakfast. So much stuff. But that day, at some point, I put chicken sausages on the grill. And um, the live cast last night, uh, Kelly said, what happened to those sausages you put on the grill? I went, oh, fuck. And I walked outside. I brought them in, and, and there they were. Completely black. No propane left in the tank because I don't have – I'm glad I don't have it hooked up to the – I would have drained all of San Diego's yeah. uh, propane. Or natural gas if I'd had it hooked up. We got to live and learn, right? That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let me ask you a, a couple different questions here. Ugh, Jesus Christ. I got 50 different things I still want to ask you, but uh, perhaps you'd be gracious we, to come on again we can next do this time. A, we can do this again. I'd love to have you on to talk some of the technical uh, barbecue stuff that I know is in your, you know, American flag covered head. <laughs> There's a whole story to this. Don't worry about it. I'm not as creepy as I look. I swear <laughs> to God. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure there's people that watch your show and that heard me talk about this last week, but you were talking, uh, Paula Dean had come out, said she had diabetes. Uh, you, you took kind of an issue with it for the fact that she had sandbagged it for so long. Um, and then I believe it was at the end of last week, you your, was it your son Zach that said you, you were softening? Uh, Max. Or Max was you were softening a little bit that she was photographed eating cheeseburger and you thought that kind of crossed the line. So no. I guess my so here's let me give you my take on the situation because I disagreed with you up front initially because here's what I thought: if you've ever seen Paula Dean cook and you ever look through her cookbooks, she's fat, she's unhealthy, she cooks with everything heavy. And I'm no doctor, but I'll play one here on the Barbecue Central Radio Show. If you eat like that all the time, you're going to get type 2 diabetes because that's just what happens. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that she got this. But I guess I didn't have as much of a – it just was more of a, of a no shit to me, but it didn't seem to be the same way with you. No, I, my point was um, – and, and I agree with everything you've just said. You're going to eat like shit. You're going to end up like shit. And that's basically what's happened to her. My point was she has such a platform available to her that rather than waiting three years to tell the public, hey, y'all, turns out you can't y'all eat like this because you're going to get diabetes. She should have come out the day after. She went on the Today Show a month ago and said, Al Roker, y'all know I got diabetes and I want to do the right thing. She should have gone on the Today Show three fucking years ago and said, hey, y'all, I got type 2 diabetes because you can't eat like this. Here's the thing. And if she had said that day, my TV show is for people that want this kind of food, so I'm going to keep going at that. But I want you to know this shit can happen. I'm going to start a separate conversation over here. Nobody would have had a problem with it. She would have been a hero, but it's not what she did. She waited till she signed a big fat deal with a pharmaceutical company and got her semi, I don't want to make fun of her kids, but I, as I say, I think she has far too close a relationship with those children. <laughs> I think there's still breastfeeding going on somewhere in that Dean family setup. <laughs> really? 
<laughs> Whole milk, of course, right? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, now type 2 diabetes milk. Exactly. Yeah, great. Um, all right, so one of the other... Now, this is one thing that I do agree on, and I'm not a big fan of the Food Network, but one thing that I have railed on, especially to people that will listen to me in, in person, not necessarily here on the show, is that yep. uh, you have everyday Italian host Giada De Laurentiis, and everybody, right. as soon as I say the name, everybody goes right to the boobs and how hot she is. She... Personal appearances never show fodder, except right now, because her head is outrageously out of proportion to the rest of her body. Number one. Yes, it is. Thank yes, you. Yes, it is. I totally agree with you. Number two, and I agree with you on this, what the f- what is going on with the over-enunciation of only the Italian words? Oh, You're in the industry. You know top men, Sam. Started. What is going on? Don't even get me started. Pancetta, pecorino, reggiano. <laughs> right. Parmigiano, it's insane. It's insane. That stuff, I want to put a bullet in my head when I hear that kind of stuff. I don't get it. And you know what? I've seen her in person walking in a, in a giant conference kind of place. I mean, we didn't talk. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. Her head is bigger than it should be. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm just saying. It's, one it's of the, not a joke. Here's the thing. Look, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, uh, it's probably related to a duck. Everybody makes jokes about her big head. She's got a big head. Yeah. It's one of the biggest heads out there on the earth today. Uh, Sam, before I let you go, uh, promote what's happening for the rest of the week on the Sam Livecast. It's the SamLivecast.com. Just come watch. You know, here's what it is. It's an hour show. Generally, uh, we talk about food. We're irreverent, we're politically incorrect, we're uncut, we're unedited, we're much like you. And there's not many of us doing this. When we set out to do this, what we wanted to do was something different. We didn't want to fancy, dumb down a show and make it all perfect and nice and everything. Sometimes a mic doesn't work, sometimes your mic doesn't work. I saw that tonight, you didn't turn it on, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Shit happens. But we're live, we're real, we're right here, we're honest. And if you want to talk about food... Generally, food. I mean, sometimes we digress a little bit. We talked about Super Bowl the other day, yesterday. We have fun with that, but we talk about food. We answer questions that people have on Facebook that follow the live cast right then. And we cook something live every day that you can watch and make. And this is not edited shit. This is not anybody in the back cutting up fucking onions for me and printing them and and, and, and present it. This is me doing it. So I do whatever it is in 10, 15, 20 minutes. You can do it the same way. That's it. It's meant for you to watch, enjoy the conversation, and see some food that you really dig. And if you go to facebook.com forward slash the cooking guy and go to photos, look at the live cast food photos. We do some great shit on there. Yeah, I mean, it's great. it's great. You got a great cast of characters out there. You got Lynn, you got Max, you, of course, uh, my favorite, Steve, uh, your wife, Kelly, who's sitting in kind of the. Uh, you have one of the most fantastic kitchens I have ever seen. My wife was well, looking it at it and she's like, geez, she's like, is he at a, like a studio or something? I'm like, no, nah, I think that's in his fucking house. And then y- you would get up, you would walk around. And I'm like, oh my God, that is his house. It's really laid out very well. I love it. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'd love to have you on. As the the weather starts to get a little bit more, you know, I'd love to hear your take on all kinds of equipment because people out here just don't know. I bought uh, a pellet auto feed um, smoker. Yeah, got one. And um, 
I'm telling you, for somebody as dumb as me about shit like this, I'm really <laughs> happy with it. Last uh, Thanksgiving, I put a couple turkeys on at midnight, and I woke up to two smoked turkeys that were perfect. I was the MC for a Kansas City Barbecue Association sanctioned event here a couple years ago. And I saw a giant uh, pellet auto feed smoker. And I said, is that fucking thing legal? And they go, oh, yes, <laughs> completely legal. Yeah. And I got myself one uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, I used the hell out of it. But I want to talk recipes with you because I know you know. Anybody that wears an American flag on his head <laughs> has to know barbecue. It's it's part and parcel with the territory. He is a Sam Zion. Sam, the cooking guy. You can find him again at thesamlivecast.com. Sam, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thanks, Greg. I'll right. talk to you soon. Take care. There he is. Sam. Love it. The Sam Livecast can be found at thesamlivecast.com. All right. Weigh in on that. What do you think? little outside the box, I know. But, geez. Oh, just lots of great stuff right there. What can I say? I'm a fan. I'm starstruck. I'm a fan. All right, gang, let me quickly remind you about Draper's Barbecue, a third-generation barbecue company located in western Kentucky in between Memphis and Kansas City. Shane Draper created a line of products that represents both cities as well as the flavor profiles from his home. Draper's Smoking Sauce is a balanced blend of spices that marry savory, sweet, tangy, and some heat in a flavor profile that is just at home on the competition trail as it is in your backyard. Now, Draper's Barbecue also has a versatile rub, simply known as AP Rub. The AP Rub, of course, short for all purpose. It's a balance of savory, salty, sweet, and heat. Makes it a great flavor enhancer on any protein, and it can be used on popcorn, french fries, salads, chicken wings, onion rings, Chex Mix, baked potatoes, and in dredges for frying fish. Your imagination is its only limitation. Smoking sauce and AP Rub are great on their own. Of course, we all know this. We're big fans. But they were designed to be used together, folks. That's right. Married well, loving each other. The dovetail of these two flavors make a completely different complex profile that keep the judges thinking about your entry. You can find Drapers at drapersbbq.com slash store, bbqaddicts.com, or bbqproshop.com. Also look for Draper's Barbecue on Facebook and on the Twitter. Shane is always available for questions and cooking advice. Now, do you have a local store you want Draper's Barbecue products in? Of course you do. We all do. Send Shane an email at info at drapersbbq.com. They are always adding stores and new markets. And your tip could lead you to earning some free swag. So hook that up and be on the lookout for Draper's Barbecue's newest products called Mood Enhancer. This rub was built to make anything that has ever moved taste better. From brisket to tri-tip, steaks to hamburgers, this rub has it covered. Mood Enhancer has very little sugar and low in salt and stands up to low and slow cooking as well as hot and fast. That's what she said. She's tuned. I'm sorry. Stay tuned to Barbecue Central Radio for the exclusive release date. It's coming very soon. Draper's Barbecue, when they say three generations of pride and flavor in a bottle, they mean it. I got to reset. Give me 30 seconds. We'll be back to wrap up the first hour after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews. Advice on cooking brisket and ribs. 
and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far? I never asked for this. I never asked for this fast living, the women, the whiskey, craziness. There's whiskey in my soul. Hey, Bert, let's go. I've been drifting down that open highway, finger in the air, because I do things my way. The next town's where I call home. All right, we are back. Thanks again to Sam Zion, Sam the Cooking Guy, the SamLiveCast.com. You need to check it out. It's really one of the best shows out there right now. And as Sam said, it's irreverent, it's cutting edge. But most importantly, they are cooking each and every night, which is something that uh, I'm a little jealous of. I'm a little cramped back here. You can't see it, but we're adding more and more cameras, so... You know, you'll see it down the road, absolutely. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up here soon. Uh, of course, we have Meathead coming off at the top of the hour. Everybody's waiting for Meathead. You can't wait for Meathead because we'll be talking about uh, pastrami. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, processes and all of this other stuff. Y- you've probably noticed, gang, that I uh, I don't have my headset on, but somehow I was able to hear. That's because, can you see it? I got one of those news. Sorry, I got one of those news earpieces. I'm like the anchorman. Love it. One of the coolest things ever. All right, we are going to reload for Meathead. I got to get some water, do a little funny dance, and we will be back in roughly one minute and a half, where we will bring up Meathead to talk about pastrami. Thanks again to Sam, the cooking guy, for coming on this past hour. 877-448-0433, Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono, it's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish, what? We ate fifty before wieners. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with junior, senior, and diva. Sounds like a whole other type of movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really. Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh, top men. We are back for the second hour. Hello. Forgot to put on the banner that time. Oh, I got to think of a new setup, I think. 
All right, I'm going to uh, dive off just for 10 seconds here so you can sit back and enjoy this masterpiece. This is Rennie Kanoff with ChampionshipBBQ.TV, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. as it were, with uh, Cleveland Cavalier sports of any kind. Let me go ahead and quickly roll right to the footage. There it is. We're talking pastrami tonight, and there it is. It's a, pat- a, a, a patami. It's a pastrami. Is that <laughs> is that a pastrami sandwich, Meathead? Oh, it is indeed. Uh, homemade pastrami. And and it's not, well, It it's elaborate, it's complicated, but you can do it at home. And I'm telling you, oh my, could. That is so good. Watch out. You got five pounds of pastrami in your beard, Meathead. What are you doing over there? And this is not a big fat sandwich, as I tell you. I've already had one tonight. So, I mean, how good is that? Rated on a scale of one to ten. Well, pastrami is part of my heritage. And um, there's one that's better. Uh, But uh, this is uh, pretty darn good. I've been fighting the pastrami war for about a year now. Yeah, I made a lot of bad pastrami. I didn't. I, I didn't know there was a war on pastrami. <laughs> well, I've been trying. You know, you know, it's to get it right is is a battle. But I've, um, I think I've, I've, I've climbed the mountain. Um, I, uh, uh, and during it, I had a, re- I had a, a bit of a revelation. I want to play a, a little twenty questions with you. Uh, the answer of which may be a little more obvious than it should be, but um, I think I have discovered. The oldest barbecue joint in America. All right, hold on. Reveal. Well, I'm going to play some 20 questions with you, and you've got to guess the name of it. Who's the host of this goddamn show? <laughs> Jeez, oh, <laughs> Pete. All right, go ahead. It's on the East Coast. All right. It was founded in 1888, and it's been in existence in pretty much the same location since then. On the East Coast. All right, so that narrows it down somewhere between like uh, Maine and Florida. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, it's probably going to. Is it going to. Am, am I hedging too far down when I say it's a North Carolina joint? Nope. Further north. Further give north. Give another clue. Right. Virginia. It's a beloved landmark in a large city. It is the uh, Washington Memorial Barbecue Joint. Thank you. They don't serve any pork because the owners are Jewish. Because the owners are Jewish. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Now, I'm not talking Corky's in Memphis, where the owners are Jewish, because they serve plenty of pork. They're not kosher. Is this something that I'm going to know? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Because oh. I know you have a fondness for this city. I have a fondness for the city. So that, that well, I have a fondness for New York well, let's, City. Let's put it there. Their specialty is. Wait, 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 wait. Is it Baltimore? Nope. No. New York City. Their, spe- their specialty, yep. All right. Specialty is brisket or plate, which is also navel, rubbed up with a good salt and pepper rub and above to er- other herbs and spices, and smoked low and slow and long. Uh, is it uh, is it that uh, is it that, that deli that everybody talks about where Bowser and Sha Na Na go to Co- the Carnegie Katz's, Deli? Katz's Delicatessen. Katz's Delicatessen makes pastrami, and pastrami is just another form of barbecue brisket. Hmm. Uh, it, it is. It is. It, it, I mean, it, now sometimes it's navel, which is a cut just behind the brisket. But it pastrami is made, and you guys can do it at home too, um, by um, curing the brisket and then smoking it. And there's a half a dozen ways to do it, and I have tried all of them. And I have finally hit upon a method that is pretty darn close to Katz's. And I know that I'm going to get arguments when I call it a barbecue joint, but I mean, when you cook, when you smoke brisket for eight, ten hours and come up with something as good as this stuff. There's the camera. There it is. There it is, yeah. Very nice, uh, very nice quality there. Oh, it's gorgeous stuff. Gorgeous stuff. Um, uh, and that's the only brisket I've ever had that's better than my homemade. And I, I just, this week, published my method on the website on AmazingRibs.com. The way it works, and this is what makes it elaborate, get yourself... I can't, I can't pick my teeth. I'm on TV. <laughs> pick it! Oh, God. I, you know, I got a face for radio. I don't know if I like this idea, Greg. People people are demanding to see us. Believe it or not, there is high demand for people to be seen when they're doing radio nowadays. I believe they call it television. Ah, Outrageous. Okay. Um, you start with a hunk of brisket. And what I do is I cut it into three parts. I cut the... Uh, point off. Wait, are you going to start talking about how to make pastrami? Yeah. Now, hold on a second. We have a whole two other segments to get into that. This is the segment where we talk about nothing that we're supposed to talk about. Oh, okay. Jesus well. Christ. All right, now, look, <laughs> I just had a guy on for uh, two segments in the first hour, uh, Sam I the listened. cooking guy. I listened. He's uh, he's pretty outrageous, very irreverent. Uh, one of, I'm a big fan. I was... Uh, I rarely get nervous when I'm interviewing somebody, but I was legitimately nervous, like a, a schoolgirl smitten with a hot guy. And I asked him this at the end. I said that he had had a, a big issue with Paula Dean uh, getting these diabetes and evidently sandbagging all of this information for three years. And to me, it, I don't care. I said, if you're a fan of Paula Deen's, you realize that she uses every fat ingredient that you could possibly put in. She's southern style cooking. She's home, southern home feel, however you want to call it. The words light, fat-free, and uh, diet-friendly do not grace any of her recipes. So when she makes the announcement that she's type 2 diabetic, to me it's like, yeah, no shit. Look how you're eating and look what you're cooking and look what you promote. He had a big issue with it, saying that she should have come right out on top of it and say, I have type 2 diabetes, and this is blah, blah, blah. How do you feel? Did you have a, a reaction either way? Yeah, I did. 
Um, I'm type 2 um, and uh, have been for a while. I think it's a byproduct or uh, hazard of uh, my chosen career. Yeah, and, right. Uh, um, I'm overweight. Uh, I'm not obese yet, but I'm working on it. I have a well-marbled <laughs> waistline, and I uh, am proud of it. Um, will, but, you be, uh, will you be selling yourself out to KCBS competitions as the next Wagyu? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Take a cross-section of this. Yeah, right. Um, but um, I, I think his point's well taken, that it, it didn't come out until after she had the big contract. And I, I think that it would have been a really great opportunity for her to say, you know, I've really flogged this traditional old Southern-style cooking, which all of us love. I mean, I write about it a lot, too. And I'm going to try to find ways to lighten it up and make it healthier and see if we can do something fun with that. And it might have been an opportunity. I think this whole subject of healthiness, though, is something that I'm the uneasy talking about. Um, I, Sam really clearly knows food, but I heard him sitting there saying that he makes this um, eggplant parmesan with a fresh tomato slice. That's a great idea. I do it similarly um, because he doesn't want to use unhealthy tomato sauce. What is unhealthy about tomato sauce? Um, I, you know, unless you have the chops to talk about what's healthy or not, I prefer you just stay out of that game. And, you know, we have new laws about people talking about their health. The hospitals can't tell the public how your health is. You know, that's none of our business how Paul is doing. But I think anybody who looked at her and watched her cook knew that it wasn't the ideal way to cook and eat. I mean, pastrami... It's not an everyday food. I'm not going to eat it every day. Um, it's a treat. Steak is not an everyday food. It's a treat. Um, ribs are not an everyday food. It's a treat. If you eat that stuff every day, yeah, you probably will pay a price on down the line. Um, I think Paula would have been better served had she come out earlier. Um, but um, she certainly took a lot of heat for it and possibly deserved it. I don't know. I don't care. And uh, we'll go ahead and uh, leave it to that uh, while I talk quickly about Fred's Music and Barbecue. Uh, Meathead, you go ahead and uh, have some. Weren't you going to have Vionier? Get some Vionier. Crying out loud. All right, I'm going to talk about Fred's Music and Barbecue here just for a second. Uh, second longest running sponsor of the show. That's number one. Secondly, a trusted, tried and true online retailer. Look, gang. Times are tough. We don't have an exorbitant amount of discretionary income like some other people do. So we want to make sure that the money that we have is going to is going to be able to be spent and cared for properly. So first of all, you need to go to TastyLicksBBQ.com and peruse his whole inventory. Fred has everything on his website inventoried in his station in Shillington, Pennsylvania. So if you see a cooker, if you see cookbooks, if you see wood chunks, if you see wood chips, whatever the case may be, he has them readily available. They're going to ship to you promptly, and they're going to be for a fair price. Now, what else is more important than uh, while we're taking care of your money and you're dealing with somebody that's reputable? Maybe you order a cooker and you think you're Mr. Big Shot, you know all about it, you're going to be able to put it together, it's not going to be any problem. Well, once you get it, you realize, well, I'm not such a smart guy as I thought, and now I'm going to need support. Key number two, guess what? Their support at Fred's Music and Barbecue, whether it be from Fred himself or one of the many knowledgeable salespeople that is in Shillington, Pennsylvania, in the brick-and-mortar store, just lob them a quick phone call. Say, Fred, Toby, whoever it is, 
I need some help with this big green egg and replacing the uh, felt filter that I burn off all the time on this thing. Or I can't figure out how to plug in my Bradley smoker. Or I can't put pellets into my uh, Traeger cooker, whatever the case may be. And it could be a lot more intricate than that, of course. These guys are going to be able to help you out, provide you support after the fact, which is key. So here's what we've learned. You have TastyLicksBBQ.com is the website. You have inventoried stuff ready to ship to you once you find it on the website. And you have support after the fact. And that's why you want to visit Fred's Music and Barbecue. Now, there is a two-day competition barbecue cooking school taking place next month. Uh, Currently all filled up. There is standby seating still being taken. If enough people get on board, they actually might turn around and do a back-to-back cooking class, which is going to be hosted by Todd Johns from Pork Pull and Plowboys. One of the most sought-after and winningest team captains in the barbecue competition circuit. People that have taken his class have won things like the American Royal, have won things like the Jack Daniels. And they're going to be holding this event in Shillington, Pennsylvania. Again, it's going to be March 10th and 11th. Go to TastyLicksBBQ.com to get the latest information on if they've extended the class out. I tried to reach Fred before air tonight, and I didn't hear back from him. So lob him a phone call or shoot him an email. See exactly what's going on with that class. If you can't take a Dave Bosca class, if you can't take a Rod Gray class, Todd Johns is one of the top pit masters out there, and the class is that good as well. TastyLicksBBQ.com. It's put. Pastrami. Pastrami talk with Meathead coming up in 10 seconds. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. 14 past the hour, and uh, we are going to be talking pastrami with Meathead. He joins me. You've heard him, AmazingRibs.com, the most trafficked, heavily excited website having to do with barbecue and grilling. How's that sandwich, Meathead? Wow, looks delicious. Instant feedback from the the, uh, chat room. Let's hear it, folks. Look at you. I'm suffering with a, a glass of well-filtered Brita water, and you have pastrami sandwich times two. It's mm. uh, it looks absolutely fantastic. Mm. All right, so let's. And I gotta tell you, yeah, go ahead. It's right up there with. I mean, it's a different animal than barbecue brisket. But well, not it's really. Right up with barbecue, well, it's similar in <laughs> process. There's a big difference, but it's really as pleasurable as any good barbecue brisket I've ever had. Is it one of those things where you put it in your mouth and you're like, oh, my Lord. Is it a, it's, a, it's a Harry Met Sally moment. <laughs> well, you know, Harry Met Sally, that famous fake orgasm scene took place over real pastrami at Katz's Deli. In fact, if anybody out there has never been there, it's a landmark in New York. You got to go on Houston Street. It's not Houston. It's Houston Street. And the Lower East Side, which was the Jewish... Shtetl, the Jewish neighborhood, the ghetto, and um, um, they have the table where that scene was filmed. Uh, you remember where um, uh, the uh, uh, Billy Crystal character was telling, oh, what's her name? Meg uh, Ryan. Meg Ryan. Hot. About how- totally he hot. She says, you mean they never fake it? He says, of course not, I can tell. And then she proceeds to demonstrate a fake orgasm for him. And in the background, there's this woman, everybody in the restaurant's watching this scene. And um, <laughs> uh, finally, uh, when the waiter comes by, she says, 
I'll take what she's having. That's right. <laughs> of course, she was having, if you watch the film, you can get it on YouTube. And I've actually got it on my pastrami page. She's eating um, turkey. He's eating pastrami. Uh, just very classic, you know. Uh, but um, they, their pastrami is just absolutely the best I've ever had. It is so tender and juicy. Barbecue people rarely achieve that level of flavor and tenderness and juiciness. The big difference is, is the meat is cured for a long time. Now, some places will take the brisket. Is it okay to start talking about? Yes, let's let's now? let's start now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, some pieces, some, some some places will dry cure it. They'll put a a spice rub and a, a bunch of salt on the exterior, and they usually use something called prog powder. It's a an an old fashioned. Um, salt with uh, nitrates in it, which is a preservative. It's the stuff that gives corned beef its pink color and gives uh, hot dogs its pink color. Um, and um, uh, there's been a lot of really good research lately that has disproven the concern that a lot of people have about nitrates. There was one research paper back in the 70s that implicated nitrates as a carcinogen and then there's really been nothing, to my knowledge, now I may be, may be wrong, but I've tried to dig into this, um, there, it's not been upheld, and in fact, I mean, there's more, car there's more nitrates in a, in, in a plate of spinach than there is in a pastrami sandwich or a hot dog or something. Uh, it shows up in nature. It's, it's in our water, it's, and, 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 and it's, it's, its risk seems to be really, really low. So I think that... It's like, you know, well, barbecue causes cancer. I think that's overblown issue. Um, so not to, not to worry about it. But um, in any case, they rub this stuff up and they cure it. It is either dry cure. I finally settled upon a wet cure, which is a liquid brine. Okay, let me back up and get organized here. I take a, a whole packer brisket and I lop off the point. Um, so let's say we got a small one, you know. Hey, uh, let me interrupt here for a second, Mita. Do yeah. we need? Are there pictures we need to be showing at the same time here? Have you got pictures? Okay. Um, I didn't send you any of the butchering pictures. All right. Uh, but if you want to just flash up some uh, the corned beef pictures, because step one is you make corned beef. All right. And that's great because you can eat corned beef right out of the container. You got the uh, pickling, the one of the corned beef floating in this in the pickling sauce. There it is. Yeah. Beautiful. Merges. Look at this. Okay. So this is a brine that I make, and again, all this is on the recipes and the procedure. If anybody reads my website, you know, I, my recipes are six times longer than anybody's because I really try to make sure all the little steps are included. Um, this is a brine um, that is uh, some brown sugar, a lot of salt, a little of this um, um, prog powder, and very little, like one teaspoon or something. Um, and uh, pickling spices. And I even have a recipe for making your own pickling spices, which are much fresher and better than you buy in the store. And this stuff sits in there for a minimum of five days. It depends on how thick the meat is. I usually give it a week. And in fact, this last batch, I forgot about it for about two weeks. It really doesn't matter. Once it's saturated with the brine, it is pretty much preserved. Um, and uh, after it's been brined, it's pickled. It's, they call it corned beef. Corning is the process of preserving beef. Um, and uh, um, uh, it, it was really typical in lower Manhattan and Eastern Europe. Um, and in fact, everybody talks about corned beef and cabbage for um, 
um, St. Patrick's Day. But in Ireland, there wasn't any corned beef. There was mostly corned pork. Um, the corned beef came into the vocabulary when the Irish got to lower Manhattan and they were stuck in the ghetto next to the Jews who didn't eat pork. So they made corned beef and that's when it took off. Uh, you won't find corned beef and cabbage in Ireland. You'll find corned pork. Um, but in any case, uh, so you, you, you make corned beef by letting this stuff sit in the brine, the flavored brine, for about a week. And then you take it out and um, you soak it in water for a while to pull out some of the excess salt because it's now been cured, it's been preserved, and, but it's way too salty. And you soak it and you change the water and then you're ready to cook it and eat it. And um, uh, uh, that's a pork. Oh, that's Big Mister's pork. Sorry, okay. wrong picture. Sorry about that. <laughs> Shout um, out. Actually, there may be a picture of the finished corned beef in there somewhere. Um, we we got to work on this coordination of slideshows. Uh, I'll have to number them for you there next you go. time. But um, and you can, when you go to the store and you buy corned beef, you'll often find it in cryovac. And if you find it in cryovac, it's got liquid in it, and that's the brine. And if you eat it straight out of that pack, it's not cooked and it's, it's potentially risky. You've got to cook it. And what most people do is they throw it in a pot and simmer it low and slow. And um, you'll pull a lot of the salt out. It's good to change the water and you can throw the cabbage. And you know, if you do it right, if you sequence the potatoes and the carrots and the cabbage, you won't get a mushy mess. And I, I talk about how to do that on the site. And you get really good corned beef. Well, that's step one. Once you're done with corned beef, now you can take it and throw it on your smoker. So when I get the brisket, I cut it into three, point, three parts. The point comes off, and then I take the flat and I cut it in half. So I have, two, I have three roughly equal size slabs of meat, and uh, I corn them. I soak them to remove the um, uh, excess salt. Sometimes I just make boil it up and have a corned beef dinner or a corned beef sandwiches. Um, and sometimes I then move it to the smoker and smoke it. And Fred, if you're out there, my best corned beef ever is what I'm eating here today. And it was my first cook with your um, Mojo Bricks. I used the cherry and it was a home run. Um, the stuff burned Mojo Bricks. forever. I did, I did it on um, a Weber kettle and I used the party cue. And Mojo Bricks, two wow. of your advertisers. Watch out. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it was it's just a sheer home run. The, uh, the cherry, uh, which Fred said he thought was one of his better ones, really worked nicely. And it burned far longer than I thought it was going to burn. Um, it really did a nice job. I was very, very pleased. I'm going to use that stuff some more. I can't wait to try it again. But um, I don't know that the flavor of wood matters a whole lot. I don't know. You know, the folks at Katz is another pastrami makers won't tell you much about the process. In fact, Chef Cohen, I interviewed him at length, and I thought I'd made him my buddy, and I was getting all the inside information, and then I asked him a question I asked him about a half hour ago, and he gave me a completely different answer. So, you know, they're, um, they're, they keep their secrets close to their vests, like any other barbecue cook. Um, but I know that my recipe comes really, really close. There's one difference. They get a really hard black crust. 
And if any of you brisket people out there, oh, there's our corned beef. I don't know if you're watching on TV, folks, but that's a that's your New England boiled dinner or corned beef and cabbage, um, some Yukon gold potatoes and mm. some carrots and a wedge of cabbage. All right, I'm going to give and, you a drum roll on this one because I'm very excited to show this picture. One of my favorite things ever. Corned no, beef it, hash. It, Holy jeez. How good. I want to put my face in that. This is leftover corned beef. Oh. In a cast iron frying pan on my grill. Those are you guys out there probably recognize grill grates. Yep. A nice new set. And you um, mix in some potatoes and some onions and corned beef. And I got to get, get the recipes on the site. And then at the last minute, you put a couple of cracked eggs on there. And uh, that is just a gorgeous uh, breakfast. Uh, um, there's enough there for three, but uh, I think two of us ate it. There you go. Um, which <laughs> could be why I got Paula Dean's disease. <laughs> Paula Dean. Oh, boy. That's right. From now on, it's Paula Dean's disease. <laughs> we have renamed it Paula Dean's disease. Type Paula. Type, I'm, I'm type Paula. That's right. It's a hazard, man. Uh, you know, um, I don't make hamburgers with um, uh, donut buns, but. Yeah. Um, who does? When you're making corned beef and you're tasting it all the time, and you're—I mean, while this process was going on, I had to taste it while I was smoking to see if I was over smoking. Uh, you guys know how it is, um, and there aren't any skinny barbecue cooks out there, except Rempy. I don't know how you do it. I'm just a backyard guy. I don't count. Oh uh, well. <laughs> but in any case, um, you, yeah, and you just smoke it up like you would a regular brisket. I tried one slab um, uh, wrapped in foil. And a lot of liquid came out. I wasn't happy with the end result. The slab unwrapped, I let it go through the, um, the stall, um, was my favorite slab. And it worked out great. Um, as I say, I've done it like 10 times now. And you guys know how it is to fight a recipe until you get it beaten to death. And I really think I've knocked it out of the park this time. And if you like pastrami, and I know there's some recipes out there, I think I've really done a better job than most modestly spoken um and uh, i think i really have nailed it to the wall i've eaten a lot of pastrami in my time and uh, it's 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 a process um the last step is is you're not done yet um, after you've smoked it you can taste it but it's fairly tough um you now need to throw it in the fridge and let it sit there for a day now i don't know if this affects the flavor or not but this is what they do at cats is they smoke it off premises throw it in a walk-in cooler, and then ship it over to the restaurant, chilled, and then they pull it out of the cooler when they need it and steam it to heat it. And they say they steam it for three hours. I steamed it for three hours, and I didn't see a big difference between one hour, two hour, and three hours. So just about an hour is steaming, and it just comes out so juicy. Have you got some of those corned beef pictures I sent you? Yeah, do you have one in particular that you would like or just throw them all up there? Run them by at leisure. Uh, There's several pictures up there that I think will show folks that I haven't gotten up on the website yet. Okay, on the left is your point, and on your right is the flat. And I think you can see the grain of the fat. And that's, you know, for, for brisket, for people who haven't cooked much brisket, that really, I think, shows you the unevenness of grain and the, uh, the amount of fat. But you can see how moist they are. Um, point on the left, the fattier cut, and uh, flat on the right, the more even grain cut. And uh, if you ever get to um, uh, 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 Katz's, 
uh, don't just go grab a table. Walk up to the counter and watch them carve it. And when he asks you, fatty or lean, say fatty. Um, of course. Um, this is <laughs> this is the point um, being sliced, and you can just see how juicy it is. Remember, this has been steamed. Um, I don't have quite the hard crust that they get at um, Katz's, but the flavor is pretty darn close. So I think I've got my rub blend very close to theirs. I think they may be using some burnt sugar. Anybody out there who's a brisket cook who knows how to get a good hard crust, I'd love to hear from you. Um, that's the uh, the flat, um, and that's fresh out of the steamer. You can just see how juicy it is, and ten and it's so tender. It's just flaky, fall apart tender. And uh, that was dinner last night. Uh, pickled tomatoes, pickled tomatoes. I've got the recipe for them on my website too, because that's a standard at the kosher delis in Manhattan. Um, and that's uh, that's a sandwich uh, uh, getting ready to be. Uh, Covered over and made. And um, all they do, no mayo. You can if you want. Have a little crowd on it. Now, your traditional um, deli pastrami sandwich is just rye bread, mustard on both slices, and brisket packed up. Now, this is a scrum. That's a, that's a Chicago pastrami sandwich, since that's where I am. At, at, at Katz's, it's three times that thick. You need to unhinge your jaw to eat it, um, but uh, uh, it's it, it's pretty impressive stuff over there. And uh, yeah, I, I'm telling you, you can do it if you know how to make brisket or if you've got control of your environment. You can do this. Uh, it, it's a pain because it's so many steps: um, pickling the meat, leaving it in there for a week, draining it, soaking it water overnight then chilling it, then smoking it, then chilling it, then steaming it. But it's worth the effort, believe me. Just is, worth the effort. For the cure, Is I see there's companies, uh, you know, my dad would make beef jerky on his uh, cook shack because the, the unit itself really lends itself to making it a, a great beef jerky machine. But there's a cure that you have to get for the eye of round. Uh, typically, it's bought in through High Mountain. Is there a company that you would recommend getting a, a, a pastrami or a corned beef cure? Or is it something that you're just going to use at home? What do you think? The, um, all, all the ingredients um, are easily found with the exception of um, uh, the pink salt or the uh, prog powder or whatever they call it. There's several different names for it. There, it, it, it's not hard to find in uh, grocery stores, big grocery stores. They usually have it in the canning or preserving department. But there's a ton of websites out there that specialized in cured meats, sausages. I, you can even buy it on Amazon. I've seen it on Amazon. I got mine from a restaurant, buddy. I know we'd, um, uh, not far from my house, a restaurant called V. They do a lot of cured meats and stuff, and I just went down there and asked the chef, hey, can I have a cup of your uh, prog powder? He said, sure. Uh, so if you know a restaurateur who does that sort of thing, go for it. But it's not hard to find. It's all the rest of the ingredients, um, coriander, black pepper, brown sugar, pickling spices, and you can make your own. They're all easy to make, easy to come by, easy to handle, piece of cake. Now, for people that might not – I can't believe I'm about to say this, but there's, evidently there's people out there that don't like rye bread. Is there an alternative 
form of uh, of uh, bread platform that they would be able to use that would be comparable or that you would if you had no rye bread is there something that you would use in place of can you see my face <laughs> i'm guessing not no no uh, yeah pumpernickel will work um in a pinch um, uh, the, uh, and, and if you want to use a nice um, uh, loaf of uh, uh, use a use a, a rustic bread, you know, an Italian bread or something like that. No, I wouldn't use white bread, but you know, it really is just a carrier. It's just something to keep the mustard off your fingers. Um, <laughs> it's the meat, and the meat is so intense. Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. We're talking about pastrami. You can of course visit his website amazingribs.com and it's still one of the most heavily the most heavily trafficked website when it comes to barbecue and grilling all right meathead let me put you on standby here just for one more second while i do uh, another read and then we'll get back to the uh, brisket talk i'm sorry the pastrami talk not the brisket talk friends dave bosca has been on the competition circuit for some years now he just finished third in the kcbs team of the year in 2010 11 I don't even know what time it is. In 2011, he finished third overall for KCBS Team of the Year, scored very well in all categories. He's got this amazing product out there that many teams on the competition trail are using right now, his injections for both pork and brisket. He's got award-winning rubs, honey barbecue rub, which scored uh, very high marks with ultimate reviewer Scott Roberts from scottrobertsweb.com. He's got a uh, very good base barbecue rubber, a premium barbecue rub that goes good on anything. He's got a great salt. It's not salt, but it's a, a steak and brisket rub. It's one of my all-time favorites that I've, I've actually pretty much used it all, so I'm going to have to go in for reorder. And then, of course, he's got this sauce. I think two or three shows uh, ago when Meathead was on, I was actually literally doing shots of barbecue sauce during our segment. It was that good. I couldn't put it down. These are all products that you can use on the competition trail to help boost your scores, potentially get you calls across the stage, and eventually walk away with reserve grand or grand championship honors, helping you recoup some of that cost. But it's not just for that. Forget about it. You're somebody like me, somebody who doesn't compete, somebody that wants to step their game up in the backyard. I can still go to ButcherBBQ.com and get injections for my pork and get injections for my briskets. Get all of his sauces and rubs that do well, have been proven on the competition circuit, and now I can step my backyard game up two, three, five notches. Women in the neighborhood are going to want to sleep with me. Men are going to want to beat me up because my meat is so succulent and wonderful tasting. And it's all thanks to Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue. Now, one of the other things that he has worked out, what's the biggest bitch that you hear about all the time from people on the Internet? Man, I would get that, but shipping is killer. I'm going to have to hold off on that. I'm going to have to get a free shipping coupon, whatever the case may be. Dave has somehow strong-armed the United States Postal Service into giving some of the most spectacular rates you have ever seen. For instance, priority shipping for all domestic packages. Now all costs will be set at a flat rate. Orders $55 or less. Your shipping will be... What? What is that? $9.10? No, $7. That's right. Anything over and above that will be $9. It's just one more way you can trust your butcher. And again, all you have to do, visit them. ButcherBBQ.com. When you buy it all, don't forget to put that extra two pounds order of grill. The product that's revolutionizing the market. 
Put it in your bag. Put it in your cart. Get it all there. ButcherBBQ.com. We're going to be wrapping it up here with Meathead. Stick around. Be right back. Name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we are back talking with the Meathead Goldwyn. Meathead, you're actually taking uh, questions in the chat room while we're having it. We always appreciate that. Interacting with multiple sources on many different levels, a man of uh, many traits, and we certainly appreciate you with uh, interact. What do you think of I mean, let, let's, let's back all the way up here for a second. You've been doing this show now for well over a year. You've listened to me pretend like I know what I'm talking about for just as long. You've seen the show evolve to certain degrees. We're now on multiple cameras with different shots. We have chat rooms going on. What do you think the overall evolution, just as the show, uh, of the show since you've been on, what do you like? What do you think could be improved? Be honest. This this is year four, isn't it? Didn't I hear you say today is your fourth anniversary? This is the beginning of the fourth year of the live show, correct? That, that's that's really outstanding. That's really remarkable. I really got to hand it to you. This is such an entrepreneurial, creative endeavor. Um, you've caught me off guard with the question. I really do like the forum. Uh, I'm a little I'm a little fearful that I'm running out of stuff to talk about for an hour. Um, uh, so uh, offline between you and me, I think you need to cut me back to a half hour. But um, uh, I really do like the guests. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, there was a lot of talk in the chat room earlier about your previous guests who really knew food. But I'm an old fart, and all the F-bombs kind of felt weird. And I know it's not over the public air, so <laughs> we don't have to worry about Nipplegate and other things. And occasionally an F-bomb or, an, or uh, you know, a... Uh, I don't know. A lot of the guys like myself just felt a little weird about it. And uh, I don't know, uh, maybe uh, if you get that talented chef back, he, he could. He's uh, not a chef, though. I think he would say that he's no, not right. a chef. He's and just a cook. I. Neither am I. And, uh, but he certainly is talented. That was an oddity, though. But that's, that was real an oddity. I, Greg, I think you really do a lot of great things. I'd have to think hard about what I would do differently. Um, I'd like to see you make some money at it. I'd like to see you get some bigger advertising. Oh, you and me both, brother. I'd happily Um, give you one, two percent of everything I take home with words like that. But this video thing really got me thinking. I mean, I found out about it yesterday, and what's the first thing I do? I started shipping you photographs. Um, You know, I'm trying really hard not to pick my nose. Um, uh, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, I like the idea that the last guy was sitting in his kitchen, um, uh, you know, uh, and I'm thinking, hey, I wonder if there's a way I could get a camera that I could move around and I could take it over into the refrigerator or out onto the deck, you know, so uh, who knows what the future holds. Um, and there's a lot of creativity in you and, uh, I'm happy to be part of it. I'm flattered that you keep inviting me back. No, I mean, it's always great content. We always have good back and forth. I mean, if you're worried about filling the whole hour, I always thought that I could never get everything in or we were always rushing. So Yeah, right. Probably what's best to do. Keep that up. We're, we're airing all of our dirty. The, uh, Go ahead. On the message board, on the chat uh, line, right. people were asking about using other cuts. The classic cuts are brisket. Well, actually, um, the classic cuts are navel, which is 
plate or behind or slightly above, you usually want a fattier cut. But I've played with it enough now to learn that you can get darn tender. I mean, it's the steaming process. Oh, look, there's a double pan. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the steaming process um, really tenderizes. I mean, just think if you did your regular barbecue brisket, and instead of slicing it and putting it in the tray and serving it to the judges, you steamed it for an hour. Um, and try it. I mean, it really is good. Um, that's what they do with the pastrami. Um, so it gets really tender and juicy that way. Um, so I think you could get away with using round. Somebody asked about round. Um, I think you could use... Um, uh, uh, flank steak, um, other cuts. I think just about any, the real thing is the cure and the spices. So I think just about any cut's going to work. And the final step of steaming is really what makes it tender. Um, how do you go about, I mean, how do you go about steaming? It? How do you go Don't about do steaming? Oh yeah. You know, this was a pain. Yeah, right? I had these three, two pound chunks this last batch. Well, I've, I've even done whole, whole packers this way. How do you steam it? Um, I mean, I got a regular vegetable steamer, uh, which will barely handle two pounds of beef. Um, I ended up taking a, um, a, a turkey roaster, an old aluminum one. This was a mistake. Um, with, well, this is a fun topic. We can touch on this. We got a little time to kill. Yep. Um, um, I took an old aluminum turkey roaster and put some um, rolled up balls of aluminum foil in the bottom and some uh, mesh, which is like a grill topper, on top of that. And then I filled the bottom with water and I put the meat on top. I really MacGyvered this thing together. And it worked great. I mean, I got uh, two hours of steam and I never had to replenish the water. You could do it with a uh, roasting pan and, a, and, a, and a, a wire rack and pour water in the bottom and put foil over the top. But you've got to um, keep replenishing the water. But you've got to watch out for the aluminum. Um, there's so much salt in this that the aluminum pan I used um, uh, turned dark gray when I was done. And it reminded me, I had some people who listen know that I have this wonderful relationship with a physicist, uh, Dr. Greg Blonder, who used to be the uh, head of research at Bell Labs, and he's a barbecue and a foodie. Uh, and uh, um, we were talking about, I got a letter from a reader about how he had um, put his ribs with his rub in a stainless steel pan, covered it with foil, put it in the fridge overnight so that the rub can penetrate, which a lot of barbecue cooks like to do, and that when he went in the next morning, the foil had holes in it. I don't know if any of your um, listeners have had that experience. I'd be curious to see. Raise your hand out there, guys, if you've uh, had this happen to you. Um, so I, I asked him about this. And we did some research on it, and, uh, well, he knew right away what it was, but I had to do some digging. It's called the lasagna cell. Um, you set up a cell, a battery, um, where the um, anode and the cathode are the steel pan and the aluminum foil. They're different alloys. They're different metals. And the um, um, electrolyte is the liquid in the pan that carries the charge, and if it's got enough salt and enough acid, it'll turn it into a battery. 
and the battery will melt the aluminum. And if you dig around on message boards, you'll find lasagna cooks who run into this problem because of the tomato sauce and all the salt and acid in tomato sauce. And uh, I'm curious, has anybody um, in the um, chat room uh, encountered that? Uh, um, uh, no, just bursting pellets. Okay. Uh, um, but it's, um, it's not uncommon. Uh, and uh, so... Uh, as I'm steaming my uh, briskets or my pastrami's, I, um, I I I etched this old turkey roaster out of aluminum. I think I'm going to purge my kitchen of all aluminum cooking devices. I'll still use them on the grill for drip pans and such. But you really got to watch the electrical conductivity. And this is different from the common issue that people always warn you about of um, just salt etching um, uh, aluminum or changing the flavor of anything that's cooked in aluminum, the electrical charge business can actually melt uh, aluminum foil and do some other damage. I see somebody said they've had it with deviled eggs of all things. Um, yeah, um, Big Mist has had it happen with lasagna and meat. So okay, what? you guys have bumped into this thing. I'm writing about it. Uh, Blonders sent me a bunch of technical information, and I'll be writing an article about the lasagna cell and the danger of it. And it could also crop up, I think, under proper circumstances, um, if you foil um, some meat and put it on a cast iron grate. But I, I'm not quite sure. I think it takes a lot longer to create the chart. I need to know more. I, I should shut my mouth until I, I learn more from Dr. Blonder. But it's really interesting stuff. When is there going to be some type of a uh, release blog on this? Do you have a time frame on it? No. Um, one of the things I love about my job is I get down to my desk in the morning and I immediately start answering all the emails. And people post questions and I answer those. And if somebody asks a question that I really think needs attention or elaboration or I need to revise an article because it's ambiguous or um, unclear, I, and I just, you know, and I, get, I started the article on the lasagna cell. It's almost done. When I'll get to it, I, I, I'm not uh, that disciplined. I don't have a schedule. All right. Well, what are some of the other products or projects that you have working? Oh, wait. Let me, let me roll back a little bit. When you're cooking uh, the pastrami after it comes out and you've, uh, you've let's see, uh, soaked it in water, then we're smoking it. Do you keep it at true barbecue temperature? You're looking for 225? You're looking at 180? What was the well, temperature you were looking steaming, at? Well, if it's steaming, it's likely to get up pretty close to 200, 212, you know, in that range. So uh, um, Katz's claims they steam it for three hours, but I've watched them. I've stood there at the counter. They just throw these things out of the refrigerator into the steaming cabinet. It's like... Um, um, an old freezer that you lift the lid on, you know, one of those uh, open-top freezers, and just throw it in there, and it's steaming. I don't know how it's generating the steam. Um, it, it's all beat up. The lid's falling off, and um, I don't think they keep it in there for a full three hours. But I, you know, I, I, I started tasting it immediately after like 30 minutes, and I tasted it again in 60 minutes, and um, within an hour, it was really tender and juicy. I don't think it needs three hours, um, but uh, it's pretty warm, and I, it's better warm than cold. Um, I must confess that what's sitting in front of me is cold, and when that fat starts to coagulate, you know what, it's waxy. It's really tender and juicy, and what's the word, Greg? Succulent. Succulent, that's right. 
It's really one of the best words ever. You can use it in a number of different ways. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned at the bottom of uh, the list of things that we were going to be talking about was uh, talking about corned beef and cabbage and the fact that it is not an Irish dish. I think you briefly touched on that somewhere in the middle of all of this, but can you uh, just elaborate a little bit on the, the last two minutes that we have? Well, I started researching it because I wanted to write about it um, for um, St. Patrick's Day. And you, fi- you find it very quickly when you start Googling or when you pick up Irish cookbooks. That's the first thing they tell you is, it, it, is that <clears throat> corned beef really was not common in Ireland. Beef was a luxury product. Pork was common. Um, cattle had to eat grain, and grain had to be grown, and it was expensive. And if the Irish have their preferences, they're going to use their grain to make whiskey, not to grow cattle. Um, wouldn't. Uh, hogs eat scrap. Uh, so there was plenty of pork over there. Beef was scarce and expensive. It wasn't until they got to the United States and all the immigrants came into Manhattan. Uh, you know, they came through the Statue of Liberty or past the Statue of Liberty through Ellis Island, and they were s- settled in Lower Manhattan. And and a lot of these old um, places uh, uh, are st- like Katz's. The, the, the old Jewish neighborhoods, the Irish restaurants, some of them are still there. Um, Jonas Schimmel makes uh, uh, knishes, uh, which is a... I'm not even going to get into that. But it's just like up the block from um, uh, uh, Katz's. And they're, they've been around since the 1800s. Um, the Irish and the Jews were thrown together. <clears throat> and they traded cultures. And there was, since the Jews were butchers, many of them came over from Austria and uh, Central Europe. They learned butchering. They made sausages. They made, you know... Um, prior to World War II, prior to Hitler, um, Central Europe was loaded with uh, Jewish butchers, sausage makers, meat cutters, um, and the immigrants came over, and uh, um, the Irish, uh, they were often laborers, they built railroads, they built bridges, they built highways, they built buildings, and uh, the Jews were the butchers often, and uh, um, so the Irish learned to have corned beef rather than corned pork, which they were used to, and that just sort of took off. And for St. Paddy's Day, they had corned beef and cabbage rather than corned pork and cabbage. But that's really quite common uh, uh, in uh, this country and uncommon in Ireland, which is fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely. Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. We broke pastrami all the way down, upside down, and all the way around. Uh, you can find him amazingribs.com. If you ever want to ask him a question via email, meathead at amazingribs.com is his email address, uh, at ribguy on Twitter. You can also find him on Facebook as well. Meathead, always appreciate the conversation and the time that you make for the show, and we'll look for you again next month. This is fun, Greg. It's always a pleasure, and uh, remember... Uh No rules in the uh, dining room or the bedroom. That's right. Mostly the bedroom. Meathead joining us here on the show. All right. Amazingribs.com is the website. Uh, 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show if you want to get in here as we wrap up the show. And we're going to do that here in just a second. Uh, Gang, let me remind you that the premier... Wood pellet out there on the market today is made by Barbecuer's Delight. Barbecuer's Delight has been making them since uh, 94, I believe. Might be even a little sooner than that, but transitioning into the barbecuer world. 
in 94. Candy Weaver, owner, also president of the Kansas City Barbecue Society. If you have a pellet cooker, I have a pellet cooker. A lot of people in the chat room have a pellet cooker. Hell, the guy that I had on the first hour just bought a pellet cooker. You need to get top-of-the-line fuel. And that's why you want to go to Barbecuer's Delight to get your wood pellet source. BBQRSDelight.com is the website. Peruse it. You're going to find all of the standard fare that you're going to normally cook with when it comes to barbecue. Hickory, oak, mesquite, apple. There's another one that I'm forgetting right off the top of my head. So all of the traditional stuff that you would normally put in a stick burner or wood chunks that you're going to cut up to put in your charcoal-driven slash wood chunk smoke flavor cookers. Now you can get them in these pellets. They're dry. The water percentage is extremely low. They're very dense. They're going to burn and get off a nice, sweet smoke, and they burn clean. Now, maybe you do have one of these pellet cookers, and you're like, well, I don't have any attachment to make it into a pellet cooker or anything like that. Look, I appreciate what you're saying, but Candy has thought of that as well, and that's why you need to go to that website. You can get little sample packs, and within there, there's a little cast iron pot. You season that up. And you throw like a cup or two of wood pellets in there and you'll stick it right on the coals and it's going to burn those down. You're going to get that nice smoke, roughly about an hour or so per filled iron pot. And it's going to give you that nice sweet smoke that you're looking for. You don't have to mess around with those big chunks of wood. Now, maybe you want to get outside the box when it comes to flavor. Candy's already met you, cut you off at the pass, and is now taking you back to jail, thief, because she's got such items as sassafras. And she's got savory herb, which I completely love when you're putting meatloaf on the slow cooker. On the slow cooker. On the smoker. Did I say slow cooker? Sorry about that. You want to get that stuff because it imparts such a wonderful herby flavor of the meat. It's absolutely spectacular. Also, charcoal pellets. Burning at a higher BTU, you can use less pounds of pellets by using charcoal pellets made out of hardwood lump charcoal, kind of pressed down into that pellet. Look, just go to bbqrsdelight.com. That's bbqrsdelight.com and hook up with your pellets, whether it be for the small cookers or the big cookers. We'll be right back to wrap up right after this. The smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. Five minutes till the top of the hour, 55 past the hour of 10 o'clock. Thanks to everybody for wishing me the fourth anniversary of the live show. God damn it. I need to get, I do need to get some type of a person. Now with video. You know what? Let me do this. I wasn't going to do this, but uh, I'm going to go to the instant feedback here on the poll. Aside from some various screw-ups here, because I'm the only one running it now with various different camera angles, do you think this kind of a video, seeing people, me going back and forth, showing pictures as somebody in the chat room, and I want to have every one of you, uh, 28 or 30 of you in there right now, answer back yes or no. Do you think that this is a good idea? Is this bringing more to the show? If it's not bringing more to the show, I'm going to dump it, and it'll be off. We'll go right back to how it was two weeks ago. If you think it's going to bring v- v- good stuff to the show, 
right off to the side right there where it says a trial vid blaster. That could be gone by the time next week. I actually might plop down and buy the actual license for this. All right, so we're getting a lot of yeses. The ugly bearded guy. Meathead, uh, newsflash, that's you. Sorry. All right, so looks like the video will stay. Good. All right. We'll keep it. Anyway, uh, fourth year, beginning of the fourth year for the live show, which I'm absolutely stoked about. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely happy about. And we're, and it's great to continue along doing what we're doing. We're serving a niche. We found a show that has a format that is able to replicate itself week after week after week. Uh, where did my takes go? I did want to mention, while I have not been talking a lot about competition barbecue over the last week, I mean, it's just been slow, right? Uh, and next week is the Sam's Club event that is going to be taking place in Tampa, Florida. So we'll be looking to have the winner on in there. Uh, I do have a lot of things that are lined up for the rest of the month. Plus, we're starting to get into almost spring, which means we're going to be unveiling uh, the whole new uh, Barbecue Central. Can you? Man, I can hear that. I gotta tighten that up. We're gonna be bringing ushering in a whole new year of barbecue roundtables. This year, it will. That's right. Winter Q is coming as well. A polar bear is coming as well this month. So some really big competitions in February. They're gonna be looking for and getting winners on, of course. Eight seven seven four four eight zero four three three. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com. As we have about a minute and twenty one seconds left. Some of you noticed that I did do a. Uh, change of costume and i'll have to credit alan for one thing and then tell him to mind his own business on another uh this is my mistake this is my mistake um i did not think that this was an american flag hat but i kind of didn't realize that it is a uh, stars and bars and while i appreciate billy carroll for giving that to me i'm not gonna wear that I just don't believe in stars and bars. That's just me. I'm not trying to alienate anybody in the South that likes that or, you know, still thinks slavery is cool or anything. Just kidding about that. Um, so I'm going to go back to the uh, fiery head do rag and uh, we'll do there. Now, to Alan's other point that he emailed in saying that me drinking during the show is a bad idea. Guess what? Wrong. Me drinking during the show is great. And any show that I drank in, which is far and few between, has been some of the best shows ever. Go back and listen to the uh, moonshine show where everybody was making me drink. We were having a great time. It was absolutely fantastic. So, things that we have learned. Me drinking, too bad. Get over it. Me wearing stars and bars, not going to happen. It's not. You know where it's not going to happen? Not up in here. I apologize for that. If anybody took offense. Lesson learned. Thanks to Alan for the first email. Piss off on your second email. Please don't leave me as a listener. I love you. Alan, I love you the most. All right, let me uh, go ahead and wrap this up. First hour, we had a, a first-timer to the show hitting on all cylinders. Sam, the cooking guy, the samlivecast.com is his website. I will be checking him out tomorrow and Thursday right on my flat screen. Uh, I like him. I don't mind the fact that he swears. I think if you see me off air, I might swear as much as he does, maybe even a little bit more. I'm able to rein it in here on the show because I'm trying to make something up. He's established. He's good. He's good. What can I tell you? I will definitely try and have him on the show. I thought he had some really great takes, some really good ideas about food. 
And uh, this show, first and foremost, is a barbecue show, but secondly, is a food show. We are foodies at heart, and he is somebody that I would absolutely love to get on the fold. Probably not going to be a recurring basis. He's very busy, but we can have him on again uh, over time, so hopefully you like that. And then the second hour, we have Meathead. We talked about pastrami, curing and rinsing it and steaming it and chopping it. We talked about fake orgasms, what temperature to cook at, uh, fat and point and flats and all of that stuff. We talked about uh, Paula Dean diabetes. Uh, Craig is uh, PD type 2. Um, I think we pretty much covered it up. We agree that video is okay, so we're going to be keeping video as well. Uh, two things. Helpfully remind you to control the rusty grill grate population. If you have raw cast iron, you need to make sure you're seizing it after each and every use to provide years of trouble-free service. We don't want rust to get on there. It grows like a cancer. Also, September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.